No song, guys. <laughs> Actually, it was a couple of weeks ago. Good morning, everybody. It's a joy and a privilege to be here and to be contributing to the One Another series. Today's topic is serve one another. Now, when, when Jimmy kicked this series off a few weeks back with Love One Another, he said something to the effect of each of the one another's is just another way to love one another, which I thought would get the rest of us off the hook, but here we are four weeks later still talking. <laughs> but it's just another way to show how we love one another. I like that. I like that. It gets to the heart of things. It gets to the why. And the why matters. Motivations count. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. You know that one. 1 Corinthians 13, just before the bit that they read at the weddings. Yeah. The why matters. And in this case, serving others, the why is love. So over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll unpack this a little more. What we won't do this morning is arrive at a series of what's, like what serving is, definitions, what it looks like. There are countless ways that we can serve others. And neither will we have an extensive exploration of how, how to serve, how to do it, strategies. We're not going there today. That's for us to figure out in our own situations. What I'm interested in today is the why. Why do we desire to serve others? And it's all we're going to have time for today anyway. But for me, it's the main thing. And if I'm being honest, I've always heard the word serving and service as a little dull, dutiful, necessary, obedient even, but maybe not the most exciting or dynamic thing that I could be doing. Unless I'm gripped by the why. Simon Sinek um, said in a famous TED talk a few years back, people are not as interested in what you do as why you do it. That's the real story. And he went on to explain that Dr. Martin, Martin Luther King's famous speech, it struck a chord because he had a dream. Not because he had a five-stage strategy complete with PowerPoints. People were not drawn into the cause of civil, civil liberty because of a what or a how. There was a why, a dream. And that awakened a dream and a motivation and a why in them too. 
A good why can be incredibly effective. A good why can even leave a legacy, not just what we do now, but what comes after. In the, in the summer, seems like a distant memory now, eh, the summer. In the summer, we had a couple of days in, in Yorkshire, and I was, I was keen to spend a bit of time wandering about York, exploring, and Jill was keen to spend a bit of time in Harrogate at a tea room. But the boys, the boys had only one interest. They wanted to visit Elland Road, the home of Leeds United. But it's funny, it's funny where God speaks to us sometimes. But there, in massive letters on the side of the stadium, were the words, side before self every time. And on the pavement below was a statue of the man who coined the phrase, the captain of the famous 70s era team, Billy Bremner. He understood that the way to victory was to put his teammates first, work hard so they win. And he encouraged his team to fight for one another, to serve one another. And only by doing so did they all win. It's a good why. It's a strong why. Side before self, others first. But a good why, a good why doesn't just gain us some results, a few results, a few outcomes, some fleeting what's. A good why is not simply a strategy. It's more than that. The power of a good why is it has the potential to create a strong culture. And culture eats strategy for breakfast. A strong culture creates legacy. So fast forward half a century from Billy Bremner to the beginning of the pandemic. And the jobs of many staff members at the club, they were at risk, administrators, groundsmen, all the behind the scenes people. Lockdown meant no immediate income. So the first team squad met, the so-called overpriced, overpaid, pampered, prima donnas. But this squad didn't live by the stereotypes. They had a culture. They lived in a legacy. And that led them to a strategy. Side before self every time is not just a clever motto on the wall. It's literally part of the fabric of the team. They immediately came together and they agreed to defer their wages to ensure that the rest of the staff were looked after first. Ensure that everybody wins. A strong why creates a strong culture and that creates a legacy where all win. Leeds united. Incredible, eh? And serving, serving others has come back into the spotlight again in, in recent weeks. And it looks again like it's the legacy of a, a strong why and a life well lived. Of all the words that were spoken and written after the, the passing of Queen Elizabeth, nearly every eulogy and every article mentioned her lifetime of service. And not simply as recorded fact, but but with thanks and respect and admiration and even love. 
loving and serving others changes culture and leaves a legacy. So, you probably saw the, the clip recently. It was a, a speech that was broadcast from Cape Town on her 21st birthday, and she referred to her ancestors' motto, I serve, saying, I declare, I'll not do the accent, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, be devoted to your service. And in 2010, many years later, she spoke at the opening of the General Synod in the Church of England and said, at the heart of our faith, I like how she says our faith, eh? not your faith, at the heart of our faith stand not a preoccupation with our own welfare and comfort, but the concept of service and of sacrifice and showing in the life and the teachings of the one who made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant. And in 2012, she spoke again of God sending Jesus to serve, not to be served. He restored love and service to the center of our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. See, in all of this, in all of this, the queen is recalling Philippians 2. So I'm going to read Philippians 2 just now, verses 1 to 8. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and one of mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something that had to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, I've always thought of this as a, a core scripture. It was one of the, the first, one of the first ones that I memorized nearly 25 years ago. But there's so much in it, and I strongly suggest going over it line by line yourself this week and ask the Holy Spirit to show you its implications and its applications for your life. Now, that's not me abdicating responsibility, by the way. It's just a recognition that he is a far better teacher than me and that only he can transform from the inside out. Stay in the Word, guys. Stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. It is living and active and has power to change life. Stay in the Word. But serving one another, serving one another is referred to throughout the New Testament. It is, it is Jesus' desire for His church, and it's our response to His love and sacrifice. Jesus says in John 13, 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The NLT puts it this way, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. 1 Peter 4.10 encourages, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Philippians 2.4 reminds us not looking to our own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. 
Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. But the verse that grabbed my attention most recently is in Galatians 5.13. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Now, again, I'd suggest taking a bit of time this week to go over the whole chapter, Galatians 5. It's brilliant. It's a passage of Scripture which famously has the, the, the fruits of the Spirit, just to put it in context for you. So, Galatians 5. And I want us to stay in Galatians 5, maybe for the next few minutes just now. And there are three things, three things that I want to pull out from it. Three things which I believe will change the way that we see serving others. Three things which will illustrate the importance of serving others with our lives. So the first point, if you're taking notes, point number one, serving is the mark of freedom. Sounds a bit like a, a paradox, that, doesn't it? We don't readily equate thoughts of serving and servitude with freedom. Quite the opposite. So what is Paul talking about in the first verse of Galatians 5? If it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Stay free. Don't be a slave. Then in verse 13 he writes, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So, stay free. Serve one another humbly. So, stay free. Don't be a slave. Then, stay free, become a servant. Fascinating, isn't it? But there's a clue. There's a clue in the text. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. So, this, according to Paul, is what leads to slavery. He often writes about becoming a slave to sin, about being held or controlled by practices and habits and behaviors, Romans 6 in particular. But He's following on from Jesus who said in John's gospel, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So stay free. Stay free. In the wider, that's this wider context that Paul's writing when he's talking about slavery and freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourself again be burdened by the yoke of slavery. Jesus died on a cross to release us from that yoke and from its consequences he took the punishment in our place. So the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6. So stay free, stay free, stay free. But don't use your freedom to go back to the very things that enslaved you in the first place before Jesus came to set you free. In your freedom, don't make bad choices. This is the wider context, and this is the slavery that Paul refers to. The inability to break free from selfish and destructive patterns of behavior. He's not talking about serving. He's not talking about the what, the works of service, as being slavery. He's talking about the why, 
the motivation for the works. And this he calls freedom because it's a choice. It's a choice. So there's an immediate context to Paul's words as well. Some believers from the Jewish tradition had begun convincing the non-Jewish followers of Jesus that they also now had to hold to all the traditional Jewish customs and laws and rules. And Paul explains to them that if they then do this in their new freedom, it would be as if Jesus did nothing for them. As if they could work their own way back into righteousness by following the rules. That they would be yoking themselves again to a standard that they could never meet no matter how hard they worked. That's slavery. Dead works. So, we can't serve one another in order to get. We can only serve one another because we already got. We got Jesus. We got Jesus. That's why we can serve. While we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. So, we got Jesus. We got freedom. Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. So choosing freely to serve one another is a mark of real freedom. Point number one. Point number two. <laughs> Point number two. Serving is evidence of love. Serving is evidence of love. Write that down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, write that down. That's correct, Tim. <laughs> Serving is evidence of love. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus loves you, and Jesus loves your neighbor. And you can love Jesus because Jesus first loved you. And you can love your neighbor because Jesus' love is in you. It's all about love. And it all starts with Jesus. And this is expressed through serving one another humbly in love. Similarly, Galatians 6 says this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts faith expressing itself through love. No point saying you've got faith. How are you showing that? How are you expressing that? Through love. That's how we show it. That's how we show faith. That's it. Love, love, love. And how do we love? We serve each other humbly. That's what we do, guys. That's what we do. And love is expressed with each other humbly. Now, John 13, 35, Jesus says this, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So it's Another callback to the Simon Sinek TED Talk. He said this, which was fascinating in the context of what we just talked about. He says, what you do serves as a proof of what you believe. Amazing, eh? That's all straight out of Scripture. Your what reveals your why. What you do serves as a proof of what you believe. So serving one another is the evidence of love. And this is the evidence that we are truly Jesus' disciples. Our why, our motive is love every time. Okay, point number three. Serving brings, my favorite word, transformation. Serving brings transformation. Paul says something fascinating, verse 9 of Galatians 5. He says this, a, lit a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. 
Now, he's using it here as a warning against the ones trying to get the new believers to abandon God's gift of freedom as grace and make it on their own strength through their own service and religious observance. But it speaks strongly, the yeast analogy, it speaks strongly of influence. And it actually recalls something that Jesus said in Matthew 13. And this is the, the positive flip of the yeast working through the batch of dough. Jesus said this, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put in only a little yeast and three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. It's all about transformation. And that takes place when we serve one another, when we lift up others. You see, yeast makes things rise. Serving brings transformation, and it can change the culture. Side before self every time. When we put others first, we all win. We all win. Can you imagine a community? Can, can, you, can you imagine? Come with me on this one. Can you imagine a community that is motivated by love? that exists in humility, that values others above themselves. It doesn't look to their own interests, but looks to the interests of others. That's how culture is shaped. That's something I want to be part of. That is church. That's church. So I'm going to finish in a few moments. Perhaps the worship team would like to get ready. By the way, that song, Send Me, that's probably the one. That's probably the one. But hopefully this morning, I've given you a good why, a strong reason and a strong motivation to serve one another. Hopefully you'll take this on and work it out for yourself what this looks like in your own life and how you'll do it. But our why is love. But church, there's something, there's something, there's something better than a compelling why. There's something deeper and there's something more personal. We have a compelling who. We have a compelling who. We have Jesus, and in Him we have love, because He is love. And in Him we serve, because He took on the very nature of a servant. And it was Queen Elizabeth, even after her death, who kept pointing the way back to our who. Incredible to hear it on the television for the last few weeks, keeps pointing the way back to our who, our who, our Jesus. Philippians 2, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete and be like-minded. Have the same love being one in spirit and one of mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness, and being found in his appearance as a man. 
He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus is our who? Jesus. Always about Jesus. Always starts with Jesus. Always finishes with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's where we end up. That's good news. That's great. That's the good news. That's the good news. Jesus is our who. And who is deeper than why. Why is like a motivational external influence which becomes an internal driver. But who is the core of your very being? Who is Jesus? Our who is Jesus. And in him we live and move and have our being. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. We're going to just pray. I'm just going to pray for a moment and we'll hand over to the worship team. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word to us today, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you speak to every single one of us. None of us is left out. Every one of us is loved by you. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on a cross to forgive us of our sins and to bring us into new life. I thank you, Lord, that we can serve from a different place. We can serve from a place of love because your love dwells so richly within us. Help us as we go into our week to express your love to others, to show the world that we belong to you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts, move in our minds, move in our spirits today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.